In this part two on benzodiazepines, I want to share a story on the flip side of benzos. So episode 64, I talked about a patient who had overdosed on benzodiazepines. But what about when the opposite is the problem? In this episode, I'm going to share a case where the patient's body was used to having more benzos on board than they had in their system whenever I met them. Benzodiazepine withdrawal is a terrible thing that needs to be discussed. So let's dive in. Hey there, I'm your host, Sarah Lorenzini, a rapid response nurse and educator who loves telling stories to teach critical thinking. This podcast is for nurses who want the knowledge, skills, and confidence to respond to any emergency. With almost 20 years of experience in the ER and critical care nursing and a master's degree in nursing education, I have a lot of stories to share, and I love to nerd out and break down the pathophysiology, pharmacology, and nurses' role in emergencies. Stories bring learning to life. It is way easier to learn from and remember the stories that my colleagues and mentors have told me than anything I've read in a textbook. And that is why I made this podcast. Every episode is packed full of exactly what you need to know to handle whatever crisis that could arise on your shift. It's one thing to get the right answer on the test, but knowing how to detect when your patient is declining and what to do when your patient is crashing is what will make or break your day and might just save your patient's life. I get called to rep response on the behavioral health unit, which is the psych floor at our hospital. As I'm walking on the floor, I see a patient in a chair, lots of people around him. He is just like hyperventilating. I think to myself, oh my gosh, this guy's having a heart attack. I mean, he's diaphoretic. His color is bad. He's pale. He's clenching his chest, saying he has chest pain. I mean, he looks terrible. So I was like, all right, guys, let's go ahead and get a stat EKG. Let's get an IV in and get some blood work, get on the monitor, like all the things I would usually do for someone having chest pain. I'm getting the story from the nurse. The patient had attempted suicide two days prior. He overdosed on several substances, but now medically he's been cleared. He's doing much better. And he's just waiting for his Baker Act to kind of finish out. And then this chest pain started. And like I said, guys, he looks legit terrible. Like he's classic ECS symptoms, pain in his chest, goes down his arm. I mean, he just, he looks like he legitimately is experiencing distress. So EKG is done, comes back negative. Did a chest x-ray, nothing crazy. Blood is sent to the lab. We're waiting for troponins to come back. So I'm like, what do I do with this guy? And I guess we can give nitro, but like, what is wrong with him? He's got no medical history except for depression. So I'm asking him, like, what medications has he had in the last hour? Nothing. I looked through his medication list. The only medication on his list is antidepressants. So I asked the patient, what medications do you take at home? Prozac and Ativan. But I look on his med rec, there's no Ativan anywhere on his MAR. He has not been getting Ativan. So I'm doing the math. It's been two days since he's had any benzodiazepines. So we decided maybe his symptoms are just from benzodiazepine withdrawal. I gave him Ativan in his IV and almost instantly his symptoms resolved. So let's talk about benzodiazepine dependence. This is a growing problem, but I feel like our knowledge about the drug is not growing as fast as the benzodiazepine epidemic is in our country. Benzos are not benign. I mean, I feel like what I was led to believe as a new grad has turned out not to be true. Like there's a lot of consequences 
for taking benzos for a long time. Both the medical community and also patients just see them as a great medication for the symptom you are having, right? You have pain, you take Tylenol. You have anxiety, you take benzos. I remember as a newer nurse, I had a patient come in. It was a couple. They're in the car together and the patient's husband was actually killed in the car accident. And I was the nurse for the woman who had just lost her spouse. And of course, she is hysterical, right? She's crying and full body crying. I mean, she just got the worst news ever that she lost her husband suddenly without warning. She was not prepared for this. And so her family arrives and they're like, can't you give her something? Can't you give her something? Look at her, give her something. But I thought to myself, like, what can I possibly give that's going to fix the symptoms she's having, the emotional response she's having? This is a normal response to very, very bad news. But because they just pushed and pushed and pushed, we gave her a benzodiazepine and she kind of just got very sedated and, and fell asleep. But I remember even then thinking to myself, was that what was best? I mean, I feel like she probably needed to feel that and remember that moment as hard as it was. Numbing it just didn't seem like the right thing to do. But I have also had many times in my career where a patient has a symptom that seems uncomfortable for us. They're anxious, they're crying, they can't sleep, they're agitated, and we just go straight to the medication. So we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Let's just talk more about benzos themselves. So benzodiazepines were intended for short-term use, but they are prescribed and given to patients long-term and they are addicting. And, you know, we don't fully understand the mechanism of the physical dependence with benzos, but the withdrawal symptoms are very well documented and they are terrible. So mild withdrawal symptoms include anxiety, insomnia, which is basically often what the med is given for in the first place. So you take the med away, symptoms come back. Okay. More severe symptoms would be irritability, panic attacks, tremors, diaphoresis, poor concentration, nausea, vomiting, weight loss, palpitations, headache, muscle pain, and stiffness. I mean, it's really bad. And if you read like on the internet, if you read testimonials of patients who are detoxing off of benzos, they have a lot more descriptive terms um, about what they feel when they don't have benzos in their system. And, and it really does sound terrible. And then worst case scenario, coming off benzodiazepines can cause seizures or like psychosis. So the severity of the benzodiazepine epidemic is very concerning. It's a multifaceted issue and it's gaining increasing attention, which is good. Benzos are commonly prescribed for things like insomnia and anxiety. People take them and they work, right? We've all seen them work, but patients that are on them for months and months, they do become dependent on them. Prolonged use can lead to physical and psychological dependence, making discontinuation very difficult and potentially harmful. So I don't think the public is fully aware of how problematic benzos can be. And honestly, I think we as healthcare workers are partially responsible for this. In episode number 50, I talk about delirium and the harmful effects of benzodiazepines on patients who are hospitalized. Many patients and healthcare workers are not fully aware of the potential for dependency or the risk of mixing these medications with other substances. So I believe it was Maya Angelou who said, when we know better, we do better. 
And I'm not saying that benzos don't have their place, right? I will gladly give benzo to the patient who is seizing or the violent patient who's become a danger to themselves or to the staff. But my original understanding of benzos and what I feel was passed down to me from nursing school and my early mentors in nursing was that benzos were safe. They're benign. They're good for everybody, for the patient and the staff. Like we used to joke about like, I wish we had some Ativan spray for the waiting room or Ativan diffusers because everyone's so on edge, need to calm down. But the more I learn about benzos, the more I have shifted my perspective and I now take time to weigh out the risk versus the benefit every time it's ordered. So if you want to go down the rabbit hole of research like I did (laughs) and look into the process for safely weaning someone off of benzos, it's like a six month to a year process of slowly tapering the dose to allow the person to detox off the benzo safely without feeling like they're losing their mind in the process. So Cutting a patient off cold turkey in the hospital is not okay. This is a great example of why good medication reconciliation is essential in ensuring our patients are safe and receiving the best care while in the hospital and when they're discharged home. So here are the takeaways. Benzodiazepines work. They do calm your patient, but just like opioids, they can be addicting and addiction just sucks. Symptoms of benzo withdrawal range from anxiety to tremors to palpitations to diaphoresis to psychosis. The testimonies that are read online from individuals who were addicted to benzos and now they're detoxing are just heartbreaking, and I wouldn't want that for any patient in my care. So if your patient takes benzos chronically, make sure they still get them. If they are newly prescribed to your patient, I'm not saying don't give them, but be informed about the consequences of them. Make sure that it's truly the best intervention and not just an easy fix for the moment. Ensure that the patient is fully informed about the long-term effects of benzos on the body. See if there are alternative interventions that might achieve a similar outcome. And finally, remember that as nurses, we treat the whole person, not just a symptom. So your patient's anxious. There is a medication for that. It's called a benzodiazepine. But What else can we offer our patients to reduce their symptoms? We can offer so much more than just medication administration. Could taking time to get on their level and explaining the plan of care help alleviate their symptoms? Could giving them a chance to talk about their concerns help them work through their anxiety? Could playing music or dimming the lights or offering something to do with their hands be more helpful than just sedating them? It is stressful to be in the hospital. Anxiety is to be expected when there's so many unknowns surrounding a new diagnosis or an upcoming surgery. It doesn't always need to be medicated or numbed, though. And I know it's not always the case, right? Just three days ago, I gave 0.5 of Ativan to a patient because he was having a full-blown anxiety attack. And all of my efforts to use therapeutic communication were just not working. And he was breathing so fast. He was developing carpal spasms. I mean, there is a place and a time for benzos. But my encouragement to you is just to be aware of the consequences. Be open to alternative interventions that could treat anxiety and insomnia in your patients and advocate for their best outcome. Before you go, I just wanted to let you know that if you like this episode, you would probably like my course too. My one-hour rapid response and rescue course is an introduction to how I approach emergencies. If you would like to learn to think, assess, and respond quickly when your patient is crashing, then you can check out my website, rapidresponseandrescue.com. And if you message me the word podcast on Instagram, I will send you a coupon code for $10 off the cost of the course. 
Oh, and did I mention that the course is approved by the AACN and worth one continuing education contact hour? So if you want to level up your emergency response skills and get one CE in the process, then this course is what you want. I put the link in the show notes for you. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you learned something that will save a life. Remember, nursing is a team sport. So trust your intuition and don't give up advocating until you are confident you've done what's right by your patient. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of Sarah Lorenzini and hers alone. They are not intended as medical advice and should not take the place of your institution's policies or procedures. Evidence-based practice is ever-changing and your patient care should reflect the current best practice. If you want to get in contact with Sarah, you can find her at rapidresponseandrescue.com or on social media platforms as the Rapid Response RN.